There is an unseen hand to me that leads Welcome to the Unseen Hand Podcast, featuring the pulpit ministry of missionary evangelist Ronnie Brown. Listen in as Brother Ronnie shares the truth of the Bible and how God's unseen hand can lead and guide your life with each and every verse. This hand still leads me as I go. If you have your Bibles, I want you to take them to the book of Jonah, back in the book of Jonah. We took a break last week uh, to uh, vent some frustrations at my country. Amen. So... Uh, uh, we, uh, we talked about our nation trusting God last week, and so we're going to get right back into Jonah this week. Jonah chapter number three, we cross into a new chapter. Uh, Jonah should be a relatively brief study. Let's all stand out of honor and reverence to God's word. Jonah should be a brief study, only four chapters in the book. We find ourselves beginning at chapter number three, so we're halfway through. And so let's begin reading in verse number one. We'll read the two verses that introduce this chapter as our text. Jonah chapter 3 and look at verse number 1. Jonah chapter 3 and verse number 1. And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go unto Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. You can be seated. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. And I want to speak to you this morning on this subject. Our God is a God of second chances. Our God is a God of second chances. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you. How great and wonderful you are. Father, if it wasn't for second chances, I'd not be standing in this pulpit. As a matter of fact, it wouldn't be for third and fourth and fifth uh, chances in your mercy and grace. Where would I be in this hour? Thank you, Father. Father, we pray as your word opens up, every heart would be captivated by it. As I begin to try to take the word of God and give the sense of it and share its meaning, its context, its, its indications, Father, Holy Spirit, take the fallen fumbling words of this preacher and make them into an arrow that will strike the heart. Every single one of us, Father, God, speak to us through your word. Father, we'll give you glory for what you do in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. A while back, a man by the name of Michael Howington, Howerton got a ticket in Washington State. It was his second ticket in two years For the same thing, driving with expired license plates. Now he kept telling the officer that he was a good driver, but it made no difference. He wrote the ticket just the same. So Mike thought that he would take the citation and he would take it to the judge and see if the judge would waive the ticket for because after receiving the ticket, he immediately got his tags And he thought that would appease the judge. So he dressed up real smartly, put his shirt and tie on. He put a cheerful face on and he went down to the courthouse. And there he was, standing in the courthouse as the judge came in. And she gave him not so much as even a look. She didn't even look at him. 
She just stared blankly at her computer screen before, never lifting her eyes to see the smartly dressed man before her. And so she began to speak to him. I see here this is not the first time that you've driven with expired tags. Mike said, no, your honor. Looks like you've been a pretty busy man, Mr. Howington. Yes, your honor. Well, looking at her face at that time, Mike knew that his chances of getting the fine waived were slim to none. Matter of fact, he might get it increased if he says the wrong thing in that courtroom. So Mike had the idea, he, he just burst out and, and really humiliatingly said to the judge, I throw myself on the mercy of the court. The judge finally looked at him. She peeked over her computer screen, smiled, and waved the fee. <laughs> Mike Howington got a second chance. You know, it's not very different from what we see here in the book of Jonah. Jonah has been going through these verses and he's had a time, hasn't he? He's run from God in chapter 1, determined that he would not go to Nineveh and tell of God's impending judgment. He got a ticket on a boat in Joppa on his way to, uh, uh, to Tarshish. Tarshish was the outpost the furthest semblance of civilization in the entire world. As far as he could get from the will of God, he would go. But that's just then, uh, God refused to uh, let Jonah run from him. And so God hurled a great storm. And then he, he sent a great fish. To, uh, and Jonah was thrown overboard. And God sent a great fish to swallow Jonah. And all through chapter number 2, Jonah has been praying, pleading with God, recognizing his power and his sovereignty, that salvation is him, his alone. And when chapter number 3 comes along, we find Jonah, seaweed around his head, bleached skin, a little worn for the wear, standing on the beach. And what happens next is absolutely amazing. It is incredible. God gives Jonah a second chance. You know, I came to this text and I was sitting down and I was studying and writing my thoughts out. A song kept playing in the back of my head. And it's a song about this very verse. And I kept thinking, it goes something like, God is a God of second. Where have I heard that song? And so I went to Google like anybody does when they don't know something. I went to Google and I typed in the God. Uh, our God is a God of second chances. Just kept playing over my head. Where have I heard that song before? And sure enough, it come up on that great Christian classic of a bygone day, Jonah, a VeggieTales movie. There's a song in that movie. Don't laugh. Listen, there's a song in that movie. Mr. Asparagus, he plays Jonah in the, in the movie. And, and he's standing there on the beach after the whale spits him out. And, and there is an angelic choir of asparaguses all over around him. And they begin to sing this song. I want to read you the lyrics. It's amazing. Listen to what this song says. 
But hold up, hang on. Not so fast, your life ain't over yet. See, we're here to tell you all about the forgiveness that you can get. You see, God's a God of mercy and God's a God of love. And right now, He's going to lend a helping hand from above. Praise the Lord. He's the God of second chances. You'll be floored by how His love, your life enhances. He, I can hear it now. He can be, you can be restored from your darkest circumstances. Our God is a God of second chances. You know, it might be in a children's cartoon. But every time I hear that song, it gives me cold chills to know that the God of heaven, no matter how much we mess up and screw up our lives, there's a God in heaven that will come down and once again give us a second chance. A second chance. Listen, second chances don't come every day. Second chances aren't allotted every hour. And when God comes to us and offers us that second chance, it is our greatest advantage to take Him up on it. To take Him up on an opportunity to hit restart on life. To do it over again, this time according to His will and His purposes. I want us to look at this God that offers second chances. And I want us to look at these second chances from three different aspects. To see the full spectrum of what it means to have a second chance. Notice first of all, I want you to see a second chance in in God's approach. A second chance in God's approach. Verse number 1 says, And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah. Now that in of itself is astounding. You know, there are many that talk about how they found God. And to a certain extent, I understand. When some people say, well, I found God when I was in college. Or when I, I found God when, when, the, uh, when this happened or that happened. I, I understand to a certain extent. And I think I know what they mean. But the reality is, is that God wasn't the one lost. It was we who is, were lost. In reality, it was us. God is the one that finds us. He is the initiator. He is the one that searches for us. He's that good shepherd that searches for the lost sheep. He is the facilitator. He's the one calling our name in that darkest hour, searching for us when we are dead in trespasses and in sins. And that doesn't change when we failed God. When we find ourselves on the beach of, 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 of God's chastisement. When we find ourselves vomited up by that, by that whale that came to save us from ourselves. He's the one that approaches us. Psalm 3.3, I love the picture. The psalmist says that our God is the lifter of my head. It seems that's what God does for Jonah in this hour. I can see Jonah, a complete washed up failure on that beach and God with a mighty hand takes his finger and puts it under his chin and speaks another word to him. God could have called him a washout. God could have left him alone. But God came and approached Jonah again. I want you to notice something about this approach. First of all, the presence of God. 
Jonah did everything that he could to run from the presence of God. That is all that he wanted to do. I want to get away from God. I remember when I was away from God, just like Jonah. Living in an apartment complex in Atlanta, Georgia. Just a couple of years after I'd gotten saved, I got away from God. And I remember going around in that, in that apartment, plugging my ears, saying, God, leave me alone. That's all Jonah wanted to do was get away from God. Get away from His will. Get away from His words. And he tried to go to the furthest outpoints of human existence, Tarshish, to get away from God. But ended up in the belly of a whale, and in reality, I believe, got further from God than Tarshish could ever take. In the belly of a whale, in the bottom of the ocean. But there, in that place, a faithful God of heaven was present. Jonah cried in his prayer in chapter 2 and God heard the prayer. That means he's there. That means he is in there. He is present with Jonah in that scene. He is still within speaking distance. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. Psalm 139.7 and verse uh, 139.7 through 10. Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Whither shall I flee uh, from thy presence? If I ascend to heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, uh, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there thy hand will lead me and thy hand will guide me. What grace! What mercy! God's still there. He's still persistent. He still comes to Jonah with His Word. How many times have you messed up? How many times have you botched your own life? How many times have you run from God and ignored God and yet it seems every time you run around, there He is, there He is, and somewhere nearby and His Word coming through. He's there. What about you today? Are you here hearing the Word of God? Hearing the voice of God once again? How many times have you ignored it? How many times have you said no? How many times have you turned your back? And yet here He is again. Here He is again pleading with you. Here He is again telling you there's hope in Him. Oh listen, you would do well. You'd do well to let Him approach you. To not try to run away from His reach once again. He is present this morning and He's approaching you. The presence of God. But then also, in this verse and in this statement, there is the pardon of God. In the approach of God to Jonah, it is implied that Jonah had been forgiven. That whatever had taken place in Jonah, whatever rebellion had taken place, whatever chastening and scourging that God had to do to bring him to this point, had now worked its work. And Jonah had been forgiven. If you go back and read chapter number 2, Jonah was a broken man. He was in the belly of that whale. And I know, I believe we read this poem in hindsight. I believe... I don't believe Jonah was in the belly of a well with a parchment and a piece of paper writing this beautiful poem down. No, I believe it's written in hindsight. But it gives us insight into what he endured in that whale's belly. 
And so uh, we, he may have tried to sleep through the storm on the boat. And he may have uh, tried to stand like a stubborn self-righteous statue on the deck of that ship. And he may have resolved to drown in the sea and then rather to, than to do the will of God. But a little bit of belly time. Three days and three nights. A little, a little bit of, of, of Shamu Hotel seemed to do the trick. Or Jonah had a change of heart. <laughs> Jonah changed his mind about this whole thing, about God and doing what he wants. And how does God, dis- how does God respond to Jonah? Does he, you know, Jonah rightfully should be dead. You know, God killed people for lesser things in the Bible than what Jonah did. Adam. Adam ate, Adam ate the fruit from the tree that God said no on and he was exiled from the most beautiful place in the world and a death sentence was put on his head and he died. You think about others in the Bible. The children of Israel. The children of Israel come to Kadesh Barnea and they balked at God about trusting Him to go into the land. And it was a death sentence. They all, that generation died in the wilderness. Achan. Let's put it on a personal level. Achan. Achan went into that promised land. Jericho was supposed to be set aside only for God. All the spoils are God's. Achan took just a few shekels of silver, a wedge of gold, an expensive garment, and put it in his tent. And he was stoned. He, his wife, and his children were stoned to death. As they were transporting the Ark of the Covenant down a road on, a, on an ox cart, the, 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 the oxen stumbled, the, the, the ark was jolted, and a man reached up and touched the ark. God killed him. There was a prophet in the, in the Bible that was supposed to send a message to King Rehoboam. He delivered the message. Then God said, do not eat a meal in this land. Wait till you get home. And as he was leaving the, man, the land, a man saw this prophet. Come in, have dinner with me. He sat down and ate a meal. God sent a lion and killed him. God's killed people for a lot less than what Jonah has done. His high-handed treason against God. God, uh, he's done. Uh, God's killed people for a lot less. What about consequences? You know, for Jonah, it doesn't seem like there are many consequences. Yeah, his skin might have been bleached a little bit, and, and he might have some acid burn from that whale's belly on his arm, and he might be a little worse for the wear, a little, a little ragged when he comes out, but there's not a lot of lasting consequences. David sinned with Bathsheba and the sword did not leave his house all the days of his life. Moses took a rod and hit a rock and was not allowed into the promised land. I don't know how God works this stuff out, but I do know this. By the example of Jonah, that God is a God that forgives He forgives and He forgets. He is one that approaches us with kindness and mercy and forgiveness. You know, the counterpart to Jonah in the New Testament is Peter. Peter denied the Lord three times. Yet later, Jesus comes to Peter and questions His love. Do you remember that saying, Peter, do you love me? You know I love you. Peter, do you love me? You know I love you. Peter, do you love me? And all the words of His denial going through His ears and He breaks down. Oh God, you know that I love you. Go where I tell you to go. Follow me. Oh, 
the counterpart of Jonah is Peter in the New Testament. And there we see God's forgiveness in all of its brightness. No matter how bad you've messed up. No matter how bad you've rebelled and sinned against God. There is forgiveness to be found at that old rugged cross. There is grace and mercy abundant at that cross. 1 John 1, nine. If we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive our sin and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Come this day. His blood at Calvary is sufficient to cause the stain of sin to be washed away. Come to Jesus. You're lost and on your way to hell. You don't know God and God is searching for you. Today's the day. You don't know when the Word of God will ever come to you again. Come now. Come know Jesus. Put your trust in Him. A second chance at God's approach. God's drawing near this morning. He's walking these aisles. He's knocking at your heart's door. Don't overlook God's approach because it may not happen again. You don't know. Notice second of all. A second chance at God's appointment. Verse number 1 in chapter 3. The word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time saying. This is a reminder that God came to Jonah the first time with an appointment. You know, it's amazing enough that God even spoke to Jonah after he had rebelled against him. Jonah should have gotten what, what he wanted. He should have been able to exit the presence of the Lord. And God said, that's it. I'm done with you. I'm finding somebody else. I'm finished with you. And what is even more, but yet God's presence is there. And what is even more astounding is that not only did God forgive Jonah and spare his life, but even more so, even scandalous, is that God would place Jonah back with the same appointment. With the same directive. Notice first of all. I want you to see that God never gives up. God never gives up. You know after all that Jonah had done. He would have been the last one that I would have chosen to do a citywide campaign for God. You think about it. I mean if God, if God ran the universe like a corporation. With a board of directors. Let's just picture that. Throw away your Bible for a minute and picture this. God comes into the boardroom and He sits at the head of the table. And there are board members all around. Angelic beings, let's just call them that. They're board members subservient to Him. He's the uh, CFO. He's the guy in charge. And so they sit down, or CEO. He sits down and He begins to think. And they're talking about, hey, what about this project? And, and God says to the board members, you know, I've had in mind for that project Jonah down, uh, down in the mailroom. You know Jonah down there. He's a good worker. He's a hard-working guy. And so I'm thinking about Jonah. What, what's your guys' opinion of Jonah? I can see one over here. <laughs> Jonah, the mailroom fiasco that happened down there, we put him in charge of, of straightening up the mailroom and making it, and he messed it up. He flubbed it up. Another one says, Jonah, I just don't know about his character. He envies the upper management. He tells, he tells mistruths about them. 
Oh, Jonah, he's not been around all that long. And, and even though he's just not one of the lockstep guys, I don't think Jonah would be a good candidate. But God, in His wisdom, says, No, I think, I wanted, I think I'm going to give Jonah a second chance. I know he flubbed up the mailroom thing, but I'm going to give him a second chance. And I can see one of the, one of the board members. Well, okay, if, it's, if that's what you want, not my fault. When the whole thing falls apart, it's not on me. It's on you, God. I mean, if that's the way God would run it, that's the way the meeting would go. But thank God, God doesn't run the world like a boardroom. He's not a CEO. He is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Ultimate sovereign ruler of the universe. And so he, he makes this decision to not give up on Jonah. You know, this month marks 15 years since the weekend or the Sunday or the Saturday night where God, I gave in to God's call to preach. God had been chasing me for an entire year. It was a year earlier. A junior high youth camp. That's when they're supposed to get called to preach. That's where they're supposed to get fired up. I got fired up at youth camp. And I sensed God's call even then. But for an entire year, I ran from God. Finally, July the 22nd, 2001, I stood on the platform before Temple Baptist Church and I said in a broken, crying voice, I'm going to do whatever God wants me to do. I'll preach, I'll teach, I'll do whatever He wants me to do. And I announced my call to preach. You know that same night? There was another man on the stage. His name was Steve. Steve had been called to preach years ago. Maybe as much as six and seven years ago. Preached once or twice. Every now and then he'd preach on a Wednesday night. But other than that, he had nothing to do with the call of God on his life. He had even, he'd even come to the point of getting out of church during those years. Just completely threw off church for a moment in his life. And yet he stood on that platform and told that Temple Baptist Church. He said, I've run from God for so many years. I've run away from God, but God is working in my heart. And this very day, this very day, I give it all and yield it to him. He's pastor in Unity Baptist Church just down the road. Here in Chattanooga to this day, 15 years ago. God is a God of second chances. He forgives and He reinstitutes and puts us back into His service. Listen. Listen. That knock of God on your heart to do whatever. You think it's going to go away if you just kind of, well, it's just the fervor of Brother Ronnie's message. It'll go away in a couple of weeks. Listen to me. It will never Never go away. You know why? Because He does not give up. Whether it's the call to preach, the call to serve, a call of obedience to His Word. He never abandons His plans. And He has your uh, plans He has for your life. He never gives up on us. He not only never gives up, I want you to understand something too. He never gives in. He doesn't change His mind. 
There's another aspect to this re-enlistment of Jonah in this fresh appointment with Jonah. It is that God has not budged on what He told Jonah to do the first time. He didn't change at all. God hasn't budged. The, The mission is still the same. Go to Nineveh. Tell them my message. The the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. And what we read is that for the most part it hasn't changed. God has asked him to do the second time. What he asked him to do the second time is no different from the first. Jonah's little tantrum did not wear on the will of God one bit. Jonah's little little diving into the sea, his little little, uh, pooch mouth on the deck of that ship did not did not uh, uh, deal, uh, change God one bit. You think about your child. You tell your child to clean, your, clean their room. You come back an hour and a half later and not one thing is moved in that bedroom. You take your child and you say, Son, didn't I tell you? Or daughter. Son, didn't I tell you? Or daughter, didn't I tell you to clean your room? And, and they say, Well, yeah, but I didn't do it. And they say, Son, that's disobedience. Daughter, that's disobedience. And so you, you, uh, you administer the admonition of the Lord to their backside. You, you, you let them have, you know, you, you try to correct them and give them a swift, uh, a swift swat in the posterior, posterior, in the derriere. After that, what do you tell them to do? Well, little Johnny, I know that you have an aversion to cleaning your room. And so what I want you to do is to just go over in that corner and put two or three of those books away and that'll be fine. That'll be enough. No! Get your hind in in that room and do what I told you to do. And yet so many of us think that God has changed His mind, changed His word about what He has called us uh, to do. No, God never gives in. You see, you you sin, you sin. Uh, God didn't come to Jonah and say, "Well, all right, I understand that you have a little problem with going to Nineveh, and so what I want you to do is just go to the small outskirts of Nineveh, and that'll be good." No, God's plan didn't change. I wonder, are you here, and in clear defiance of God's word? Do you know what God ha- you know what God has called you to do and yet you're hoping that if you hold out long enough and weather the storm he will change his mind. He'll say, "Well, for you, I'll ask you to do something. Well, I'll make special I'll make special lax uh, circumstances for you. It's not going to happen." You think that you can lie, steal, cuss, drink, dope, fornicate, commit adultery, and think that God will give you a pass and change His mind on His Word? It's not going to happen. No, God's not wrong. You're wrong. Jonah realized that what he had done was wrong. And God came with the same message and the same mission and the same, the same thing to do. God's not going to change. He's not going to change about your sin. He's not going to change and give you special circumstances. 
You're not, you are out of your ever-loving mind to think God is going to take and bend and break His Word so He can accommodate what you've got going on in your life. Listen, it's, there's no way around it. You are the one that needs to bend and bow to the Sovereign Lord that holds your very life in His hand. Don't get me wrong now. He is a God of second chances. But that second chance doesn't mean you get your way. Notice lastly, not only a second chance in God's approach, the second chance at God's appointment, but the second chance on God's agenda. You know, at the very beginning of this book, we find that God had an agenda. It was an endeavor to send a message to the people of pagan Nineveh. To let, their, uh, let them know that their sin was an abomination in His sight. That's the whole point. God called Jonah. It's not about Jonah. It's not about a whale. It's not about him being puked up on the beach. It's about Nineveh. It's about God redeeming a people. And this was God's plan. But Jonah refused that plan. Maybe he hoped the enemies of Israel in Nineveh would get what's coming to him. Maybe he thought someone else, God would volunteer someone else uh, to do it. But in the end, after all that happened to Jonah, God's agenda had not changed. And now, with a renewed call, Jonah has the opportunity to get in on what God is doing. God's agenda still includes Jonah. Notice, first of all, I want you to see a mission to a helpless people. A mission to helpless people. Verse number 2, Arise, go unto Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it. Go to Nineveh. You know, during all the drama that's surrounding Jonah, what hung in the balance was Nineveh. Nineveh, that wicked city. Nineveh, a city steeped in idolatry and wickedness. A city that is in the crosshairs of God's wrath. But it is a city that is ignorant. It is a city in which millions of people are in darkness. Proverbs 4 and verse 19. The way of the wicked is as darkness. They know not at what they stumble. These people are in darkness. They don't know how to make God Please God. They don't know what God demands. They don't know about God's sin of idolatry. All they have is conscience and not divine revelation. And God's about to hold them accountable. There are millions of people unable to tell their right hand from their left hand. And God is spending all this time dealing with a wayward prophet. Dealing with a backslidden preacher. When there's lives but dangling between heaven and hell. You know, I feel like that's God's frustration with the church of Jesus Christ in our day and time. God's spending so much time trying to get a people right with Him, trying to get a people uh, that will live for Him, that will love Him, that will surrender to Him, that there are people in our nation going, dying and going to hell all around us constantly. And yet God's frittering around with His people trying to get them corrected all the time. But this was a mission to a helpless people. 
God's spending all this time on a wayward prophet so that he might have an emissary of his warning and of his mercy. And Jonah has set before him, uh, uh, set before himself a second chance of doing the will of God, of seeing God save many people from his judgment and wrath. I'd like to remind you. That while you're messing around and God is chastening you, trying to get you to a place where He can use you, there is a world around us dying and going to hell. All the while, there is a remedy. There is a cure. There is a so great a salvation. The death of the Lord Jesus, it is at hand. And they just don't know. They just haven't heard. They just haven't heard the urgency of the message of the Gospel. You know, this whole thing, and I believe this is a major problem in our church, this whole thing is not about you. It's not about me. It's not about my ministry, my likes, my dislikes. It's not about your whims, what makes you feel good, what builds your self-esteem. It's about His agenda. It's about what He wants from our lives. You are the one that needs to bend to Him. It is about His agenda. It's not about your fulfillment and happiness. If you're a child of God, saved by God's grace, your life is not your own. It is His. And it is to be lived for His glory. It is is time that we get off the agenda of ourselves and start thinking about getting on God's agenda. That's not meaning just to come to church on Sunday, clock in and clock out. That means that my life is on mission. I'm on an agenda. My life is for His glory. My my money is His money. My time is His time. My, My life is what He wants. My will is His will. Get off your own agenda. Your own agenda will lead you to a life of emptiness, vanity, a dead end of disappointment. Get on God's agenda. Get on what He wants. Get on what He's trying to do in our nation. The mission to a helpless people. Also the message from a humble prophet. Look at the latter part of verse number 2. He said, go to Nineveh, that great city, and notice this, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. Now, although God did send Jonah on the same mission, there's really no difference. There is a slight change in the wording. Go back to verse number 2 of chapter number 1. Here's the original commission. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it. Cry against it. Notice the word against it. For their wickedness has come up before me. Compare it to verse number 2 of chapter 3. Preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. Now I want you to notice just a few slight differences here that I think have meaning. In verse number 1, chapter 1 and verse number 2, Jonah is told to preach against that city. But in chapter 3, what is he told? Preach unto that city. I believe this difference is subtle, but I believe it's important. I can imagine if Jonah went the first time. Jonah has an aversion to the Ninevites and the Assyrians 
And that's easily known by reading this book. Okay? He don't like them people at all. But let's say Jonah had gone the first time. We cut out all of the boat, the, uh, the, uh, the Tarshish, all of the whale, and Jonah goes to Nineveh. Think of how hard, how coarse that message would have been. You people need to get right. God's coming in judgment. You need to hear His message 40 days and Nineveh's going to come to the ground. But think about His message now. And first we said preach against it. This time he said preach unto it. I imagine that message might be a little bit softer now. God been so merciful to him. If anybody ought to come down crashing, if anybody ought to be the object of the wrath of God, it should have been Jonah. I wonder if his message now might come with a tear in his eye. Nineveh! Nineveh, 40 days and judgment's coming. 40 days and judgment's coming. Could it be with a tear in his eye that they might, they might have the mercy of God like he had had? For the man that is bringing this message is a man that has experienced the mercy of God firsthand. When we go through these chastening processes, when God takes us to the woodshed, puts us in the uh, puts us in the belly of a fish to save us from ourselves, God is indeed molding us, shaping us, making us into what it can be found as a greater vessel of more usefulness. I don't know how significant this was about into Jonah's heart, but I know, I know it's mine. Notice what, notice also, look in verse number two. He said, Preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. Bid thee. I don't know, like I said, I don't know how significant this is to Jonah in his heart. But for me, it's very significant. Preach what I bid thee. I remember when God was dealing with me about my call to preach. I had one of the finest expositors and preachers in this country as my pastor. And his son was nigh unto a better preacher than his father. And I listened to him every Wednesday night. Two of the best preachers in America. I believe to this day, two of the best preachers in America. And I'd look from that pew. God would be knocking at that heart. And I'd think to myself, I can't do what he does up there. I can't be like Terry. I can't be like Brother Ken. Ain't no way. I'm just not made that way. I just can't do that. And yet, when God spoke to Jonah, he said, Preach that I bid thee. It means, Jonah, I'm going to tell you what to say. Jonah, don't worry about being some great person. Don't, have, don't worry about being so eloquent. Just take what I tell you and tell the people. You know, God forms us and molds us and makes us into vessels for His glory that He can use. I am who I am. You, you know, people are like, why are you screaming and holler? I had a guy at a rescue mission stand up and say, why are you hollering at me? I don't know. 
When I was a kid and tell a story, I'd bounce around the room, wave my arms and tell a big story. I don't know why God made me the way I am. But I found this. Is that if I will just be who He made me to be, that He'll pour His message through me. You don't have to be somebody special for God to use you. You can just let God take who you are and where you are and pour His message through you and pour His service through you and begin to work through your life. God used, finally God used this whipped, humbled, broken prophet the last one that anyone would ever choose for such a a campaign to be the focal point, to be the match, the catalyst, the ignition of the greatest revival in the history of mankind. You think Burlington, that 10 in North Carolina, is big with 5,000 people showing up? That ain't nothing. Ain't nothing compared to what happened in Nineveh. Millions of people, sick cloth and ashes, on their hands and knees, begging God to save their nation, to spare them His judgment and His wrath. And God used a messed up, broken, second-hand, second-chance preacher to do it. You think here, well, I've I've messed up bad, bad. God could never use me. God could never take my life and use it. Just like He did in Jonah. Just like He did in Peter's life. Peter, the denier, only a few days later, preached in 3,000 on the day of Pentecost. The initial church, a message of the Christian church, and 3,000 were saved that day. From a washed up cussing preacher. Listen. Whatever you've done. However broken you are. There is a God of the second chance. Who will use you. Who will use you for his glory. It's been said. Well said. Time and time again. That failure does not need to be fatal. And it does not need to be final. You know, by God's mercy and grace and through His forgiveness, we are all given a second chance. One song that I've heard years ago that best exemplifies this, used to sing it at my old home church, goes this way. Empty and broken, I came back to Him. A vessel unworthy, so scarred from sin. But He did not despair. He started over again. And I bless the day He didn't throw the clay away. Over and over He molds me and makes me. Into His likeness He fashions the clay. A vessel of honor I am today. All because Jesus didn't throw the clay away. Your life is not refuse. Your life is not the trash heap. Life does not lie on the trash heap of history. God is a God of second chances. Come, His will is not changed. His word remains the same. But He offers you another opportunity to fall in line with it. Come, come make things right with the Lord Jesus. Come get your heart right. Come get saved tonight. 
Come to Jesus. You don't know when you'll be given another chance. I'm convinced that every time you hear the gospel and say no to Jesus, your heart is hard in one more day, one more day, one more hour. Don't take the chance on it never, never breaking into, into conviction in your own heart. Come to Jesus today. You that are broken and sin, you think you're washed up, you think your situation, that you can't do this and you can't do that. And I'm telling you, surrender today. Give it to God as a second chance to get on a heavenly agenda. Chunk your agenda. Young people, chunk your agenda. Get on a heavenly agenda. Do what God wants you to do with your life. Not what your teachers tell you. Not what your parents tell you. Not what your, uh, not what your uh, their guidance counselor tells you and make a great life. Get on God's agenda. Do what God wants you to do. You moms and dads, isn't it time you chunk the emptiness and the vanity of your, your living for constant you and what pleases you and your own self and get on God's agenda. Get on His agenda. Serve God. Love God. So that we may see this nation and this community, this city, be taken to God by storm. Come to Him. Let's all stand to our feet, Kevin, if you come with a song of invitation. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Listen, you know who you are tonight. You know where this message hit home. If you're here lost today, I beg you, I plead you in Christ's stead. Come to the cross. Come to Jesus. Know Him in saving faith. If you're here and you are far from God, you're walking at a distance, you're in the whale's belly, cry out to God. He's a God of second chances. He pardons and forgives. He reinstates and uses us when we fall to His sovereign will. Come to Jesus. Get right with God today. Get on His agenda. Get in on what God's doing in this place and in your life. Come to Him. Dearly Father, we pray You'd speak to hearts. Glorify Yourself. Bring people to Jesus. We ask this in Jesus' name. I'm trusting to We hope and pray that today's episode of the Unseen Hand podcast has been a help and blessing to you. For more information such as other podcasts, ministry helps, blog posts, previous sermons, or how to contact Brother Brown directly, just go to RonnieBrown.net. Join us next time for another message from Brother Ronnie on the Unseen Hand podcast. Until then, may God's unseen hand gently guide you on your journey home. The eye.